Welcome to uh, session nine of the study of the apostolic church structure for end time revival and harvest or uh, we're looking at the revelation of the care ministry if you choose. In the last uh, session, session eight, we talked about the, uh, the ministry of the pastor to the flock and to be a trainer and equipper and uh, the leader of the, the, the saints and their ministry, which is very informative. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you've seen that before we get into this one. Now, in this session, session nine, we're going to be talking about the benefits of the care ministry. And there's quite a few of these, and they're kind of standalone, each one of the points, but uh, I think they're very valid, very important for us to actually detail what are the various benefits to your local church if your church sees the revelation in the scripture and understands the importance of this for being able to take care of uh, new converts and reaching sinners in a different uh, venue and a different method and strictly in a church service, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we, we want to look at those. The first point, and I think it's a very important point, is the care ministry causes pastoral effectiveness to be strengthened. Many pastors labor under an impossible workload. Uh, but the care ministry spreads out this load among the saints. We've talked about this in several, uh, at least mentioned it and talked about it extensively in one session, mentioned it in other sessions, and that is Exodus 18, where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, who was a prophet of God, came and visited Jethro, uh, Moses and saw that he was sitting from morning to evening with all the people lined up coming by asking him about the will of God and having him ask uh, or asking him certain questions and him answering them, them praying, whatever. And, and Jethro says, what's this thing you're doing to the people? He said, you're not going to be able to endure this and they're, they're not going to either. And so that's where, that's the first mention in the scripture of the actual Care what I would consider the revelation care ministry or the care ministry concept where Mo, uh, Jethro told Moses what to do, how to share the load. Uh, choosing out from among the people, captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, captains of ten, and letting them in that structure handle all the things that they possibly could structure, ministering to the people and caring for the people. Not only will they have a chance to be involved, but they'll also carry the burden with you. So many good men of God wonderful men of God carry so much of a load by themselves from the expectations of tradition, what they've been told a pastor is supposed to do, and the expectations of people. And in that condition, in that situation, it just wears them out. They just get worn out. We call that burnout. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. If the entire body is involved in ministry, then no one person has to be destroyed. It is not one person's job to do it all. Such things as hospital visitation and even some of the most basic of counseling. It doesn't have to be done by the pastor. There's many people who would have capability of visiting the sick or ministering in prison or visiting the hospital or following up on new converts that are, that are missing or all, all these types of things. 
Does it have to be done by the pastor? Well, care minister provides a structure, structure whereby those things can be done. So the pastor's effectiveness is increased because many are sharing the load with him. I, I liken it to a pyramid. In most churches, the pyramid all comes down to the single point. The pyramid is upside down, the base is in the air, and all the weight is focused on that single point. And if a pyramid weighs a pound, but it's spread out over that, over that single point, and it's all on that single point, then it's not one pound of weight on that point because you have to you, you, you determine force by pounds per square inch. So if, the, if that pastor is the focal point and it's all built on him and it's all upside down on him and, and he is the foundation of it all, then all of that loads on him and while the pyramid might weigh one pound, the pressure on him could be 50 times that because it's all focused on a very small area. But a pyramid is not designed to, be, to stand up on its point. If you flip that pyramid around and make the base here, let the point be to Godward for the people. And let this all flow down, whatever. A pyramid is one of the most stable structures in architecture. It's very stable because of the, of the base and, the, and, and the, um, the, the area of the base to the size of the structure. And so this is what God wants to do for the church, for the ministry. Everybody wins. The other way, most everybody loses because the people aren't able to be involved and the pastor is worn out and he's not able to give himself like he should. His health gets broken. He, he gets discouraged. All of those things, all because he's doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing, what he's traditionally been taught to do. He's not doing what the Word of God teaches. And he's trying to meet people's expectations. But if, if we allow ourselves to share the load, then everybody's helped. Everybody has a place. Everybody's involved. Nobody has to be burned out. People can be happy. In fact, Pastor, you might even have some time for your family. <laughs> you, it might be okay to go play golf once in a while uh, or fishing if that's your thing because you'd have a little time. There needs to be some time for rest and uh, refreshment there needs to be that time but if i'm under such a load of expectations even a smaller church can wear a preacher out even though it's not it's not the number of people you're taking care of it's the amount of expectations that are on you from that group of people and if their expectations are are a result of traditional uh, a traditional understanding of religion and concept then the pressure is huge some churches believe the pastor is the hireling. They pay him. It's his job to go to the hospital. It's his job to visit the sick. It's his job to counsel. It's his job to do all that because they're paying him. Well, I'm sorry. I've never believed that I was paid by the people. I'm paid out of the tithe, and the tithe belongs to God. And I'm his servant. And as his servant, it's my responsibility to get his body involved in ministry. Okay, the, stability, the second point, benefit of the care ministry is the stability of the church is improved. Unity, which is based on true fellowship, has great depth and strength. 
so the church is stable. That care ministry promotes the fellowship, which produces the unity and community, which allows the church to remain strong during crisis, even if the pastor dies or resigns. How many great churches practically fall apart because they were built on the personality of a man? It was all focused around him. He's gone. And everything the next man does, if there is a next man, is, com- <clears throat> excuse me, is compared to that man. How he preached, they don't preach the same, they, they preach the same. All of that stuff, when it's, it, when it's, not, it's not positive. It's not positive. We reached a place here at Antioch that people don't know for sure who's going to be in the pulpit when they come to church. And that's on purpose. We don't announce in advance who's preaching tonight normally simply because we want people to come because they want to come to the house of God. They want to be a part of the, the body of Christ. They want to come to be fed. And whoever, whoever the Lord chooses to be in the pulpit that night then they need to be willing and prepared to receive from that person. And so, therefore, there's a variety of people in the pulpit, and it's not about one person. It's not about one person. Not only that, I preach many, 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 many years, three and four times a week to the same people. I don't care who you are and how much you study. You're not always going to be at your best. That's why there needs to be a multiple ministry. People that were saints, that were given an opportunity to be involved in ministry, and then as a part of their involvement, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with them and then confirmed to them they were actually called to one of the fivefold or five giftings, fivefold ministries or five giftings, to lead the church. And then they move in and they become more and more experienced, more and more trained working with a pastor so that whoever's in the pulpit that night really has the potential of being absolutely at their best and the people getting the absolute best meal possible. We can develop ministry like this without having to give a church service that people need to get the best that's possible for them to get that night without having to give that church service over to somebody learning and practicing on them. So we have all these other methodologies and situations where people can learn and grow and practice so by the time that they're going to be involved in the extreme public ministry of our church, they've already proven themselves. They've already proven themselves. They, we know they know what to do, and we have confidence in their ability to do it. And when they come to that pulpit, we believe that that body's going to get their best. The church has improved. The stability of the church has improved. Again, that pyramid again. The stability is approved when the when the, the people are the base and the point is the one closest to God to be there for the people of God. The apostle said, choose you out seven men among you to be over this matter. Not to wait on tables, but to be over the matter of waiting on tables. And we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That needs to be the focus of the fivefold ministry in the church. The prayer, the ministry, the word. Whatever type of ministry that, would, that situation or setting would call for at that particular time, whether it's preaching or teaching or whatever, that's the will of God. That is the will of God. I've already said this, but I'll make the point of it. The care ministry allows the saints to learn to minister and to lead. It gives them responsibility. It gives them opportunity. Many saints are frustrated because they have no outlet for their godly desire to serve. Well, they can clean toilets. 
Yeah, yeah. Somebody, thank God somebody cleans the toilets. And the building needs to be clean. And the grass needs to be mowed. And I and thank God for all of that. But serving is first and foremost spiritual. And in the average traditional Pentecostal church, there's not very many opportunities in that church for saints to learn to minister and to lead. Care ministry provides both the training and supervision, which creates an atmosphere in which saints can effectively serve. It gives them an opportunity. And, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it to you again, and I'm going to keep pounding it. Uh, I was told as a young pastor, you can't trust saints. Even when I heard it, not out of disrespect to the elder that said it to me, it sounded like one of the most ridiculous things I'd ever heard in my life. I was a saint. I was a saint. I never considered rebelling against my pastor. And I had a bunch of them because my dad was in the Navy. <clears throat> I didn't look down on my pastor. I didn't challenge my pastor. I didn't question my pastor. Was I a rare breed? I don't think so. And I, I had preachers tell me, you can't trust saints. I, I don't believe that. I believe the people of God are good people. And if they're trained and given an opportunity and trusted with that opportunity, and then there's loving oversight provided as a covering of authority over them for their protection, there for their encouragement, there to instruct and mold and direct. You can do this. Our church has been doing care ministry since 1983. And we've never had one group or one leader split off and leave our church and go do his own thing. Never one time. Because they're trained, they're trusted, and we provide oversight. And we don't stop training, don't stop trusting, we don't stop providing oversight. You can't just tell somebody, go do that, <coughs> and never visit their house, never visit their meeting. I'm a, I'm a bishop. I'm a biblical bishop. The word bishop, by one definition, means literally, visitation for the purpose of oversight. That means for me to provide oversight, myself or those that are working under me in providing oversight <clears throat> must go to that house and participate in the meeting. Sometimes they may take over and lead the meeting, but other times they just go and participate in the meeting, see what's going on. We have many daughter works, preaching points, it's the same exact thing there. Someone has to visit those meetings and provide oversight. That's not, we're not spying on people. We love those people. It's oversight. It's a covering. We're there to help. That's why many pastors don't feel comfortable with the idea of using saints. Because they don't understand the purpose of and how to structure oversight. I don't do much of the physical oversight myself. There are men here who have done those ministries before, proven themselves, proven themselves faithful to God, loyal to me, and they do that oversight. And I trust them. And they've never given me any reason not to trust them. But the benefit, the benefit of all that is 
the saints are involved. And the saints have an opportunity to experience the same fullness and joy of ministry that I have. I don't want to be selfish with this. I want to share this. I want others to have the same opportunity I've had. It may not be in the same venue. It may not be in the same part of the structure. But ministry is ministry. And the wonderful thing about being in a place where you let the, the Spirit of the Lord flow through you and give you words to say that meet needs in people's hearts, that bring comfort or bring healing, give instruction, give hope, give direction. That is so fulfilling. Well, that shouldn't be the, 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 the domain of the fivefold ministry alone. Every Holy Ghost-filled child of God should have some opportunity to do that. It's amazing we have to get a driver's license to drive. We don't have to have any instructions to be a parent. If you've passed puberty, you technically could have a baby or participate in having a baby. And, and yet, <laughs> parenting is a challenging job. But the whole thing about challenge, parenting that's so challenging it's helping that child grow up, find out who they're supposed to be, and become what they're supposed to become. When I look back on it now, <clears throat> with myself, with my sons, with my grandchildren, to think that I made a decision at 18 years old, before I ever left my parents' house, that was going to set my direction for the entire rest of my life. is a terrifying thought looking back on it. And just a few years after that, I decided who I was going to marry and spend the rest of my life with as my mate. The only reason I was prepared to make those kind of decisions and understand how to seek God and seek His help from making those kind of decisions is because of the training that I received, the oversight that was there in my life the teaching, the correction from my mom, from my dad, from my pastors. That prepared me for understanding how to make a decision while I was at home and had never left home that was going to be a decision that would affect the entire rest of my life. That decision was actually made before I turned 18. And just a couple of years later, to decide this, this girl is the will of God, this is one I'm supposed to marry and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this girl. Those two decisions right there are so monumental that I can't take the credit for being able to be the one solely to make that decision. I was taught, I was trained, I was parented, I was pastored to prepare me to understand the importance of decisions to understand the process of making the decision, of how to seek God, how to know the will of God, how, how, how to find the direction for my life, how to apply all these things I learned in seeking God, to, to find it, know it, have peace with it, and implement it. All the ability to do that, and all the experience and understanding of how to do that, all came about because of parenting and pastoring. Well, nobody made those decisions for me. 
Nobody decided where I was going to go to college. Nobody decided my career path for me. And nobody picked my wife. So my parents, my pastors, trusted their training of me to be able to do this. But more importantly, God trusted me. He trusted me to want to know His will and to seek His will and do His will. And He blessed me. He blessed me in direction, the path that my, my, my life has taken since all, all those years. Coming up on almost 50 years. And he trusted me to know, hear his voice, do his will in finding the wife he wanted me to have. That's so critical. It's so critical. Parenting and pastoring are very similar concepts. And why... Why in traditional concept of church, the pastor's the only one that's capable of ministering to people when all those parents sitting out there are practicing ministry every day and they're learning things that with, over, with, with additional training and oversight could be used to help the body of Christ and newborns into the kingdom of God. I, I don't understand it. But I'm hoping that in the situation that you're involved in as you're listening to this, by this time, you're already deciding, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Another benefit of the care ministry is the availability of spiritual support for new converts and other saints is expanded. Even a pastor with a staff. If you can afford staff, then you've got a big enough church to have a staff and by the time you get enough staff that the, the body that you're ministering to is able to afford paying for that extra staff, that body's already too big for that staff to take care of by itself. It's already too big. It can't possibly be taken care of. It's not possible. You know, I remember both my boys asking questions. Questions, 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 questions. How is a person supposed to learn without asking questions? Did you ever have a child that went through a stage where you said do this and they said why? Why to everything? Everything you said, everything you tried to explain, every observation you made, why, why, why? Well, that gets pretty frustrating after a while, but the bottom line is that child wanted to know. They wanted to learn. And I was thankful to be able to say sometimes, go ask your mother. Just give me a break here just a minute. I've asked 10, answered 10,000 questions. Go ask her 10,001 just to give me a little bit of a break. Well, newborns have, new, spiritual newborns have all these questions. And the problem is, and, and let's be really, really, really honest here, okay? How many times can you answer the same basic questions over and over and over again without getting just a little bit tired of answering that question. Just a little bit tired. Not because you're a terrible person, not because you don't love God, not because you don't love those people, but the same question, and if you have very many new converts, you're going to answer that same question if you're the one doing all the question answering over and over and over again. Eventually, you're going to start cutting that answer down because you're tired of giving it. And you're going to give it with a little less passion, a little less conviction. 
Well, long before it gets to that point, somebody else should have been trained to answer those same basic questions. And they don't do it as often as you do as a pastor. And so they're still giving good answers and enthusiastic answers. And that's really the way it's supposed to be. I love being a grandparent. We all, we've talked about as a family, of course, the possibility. And there is the possibility that either of my sons and or their wives could perish. And they both expressed to us that if something happened to both husband and mother and father, they would want my wife and I to take their children in. Well, I love their kids. And if that happened, we would do it. But I got to be honest with you. I don't have the same mental, emotional, and physical energy I had when I was raising my son. So it wouldn't be the same raising my grandchildren as it would be raising my as it was raising my son. Why? Because in God's pattern and plan, I'm supposed to be a grandfather. I'm not supposed to be still be playing dad to grandchildren. Somebody else that's younger and has the energy to do that. I'm here for counseling, for advice. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work in a church. How many good churches and good men have built great churches and then killed that church because they stayed in the pulpit and hung on so long, long after they lost energy and focus? And they could have been very productive and helpful if they'd, have been, if they'd have moved into a true bishop's role and letting somebody else take over the day-to-day uh, care of the church and ministry. Paul said, he listed all these things that were a problem. He said, and besides all this, the care of the church. When you read all the things that he went through and how, how difficult those words were, and, when he then, and then he says, and besides all this, the care of the church. My son David became senior pastor of Antioch on December the 18th. 2005. My wife and I started with just two of us. So the weight of the church grew so gradually that I didn't realize how much weight I, I really didn't know how much weight I was carrying on a personal basis. But the night I put my hands on his head and transferred to him, delegated him the authority, the responsibility to be the senior pastor of this church, that he was now in charge on a day to day basis. And the pulpit was his unless I felt specifically uh, led to preach there. And it was now his responsibility to to determine who was going to be preaching, himself, one of the other staff members, or an outside minister. It wasn't until that night when it lifted off me and went on to him that I had any idea just how much weight I was carrying. I I had no idea. But it was a rejuvenation of my life. I'm more involved in ministry today than I've ever been. Because I have the energy to be involved. I couldn't do all I'm doing today and still be carrying that carry, just carrying the day-to-day weight of responsibility. It's not even a matter of what you do. Just the weight of the responsibility of being the primary person that's responsible for the care, the feeding, the leading of the people of God in a specific situation on a daily basis is enough by itself to wear you out. So, since sheep beget sheep and shepherds don't beget sheep and the mother sheep is equipped with the proper 
implements to take care of the lambs. In that structure, everybody's happy and all the lambs get taken care of. That's the benefit of the care ministry. It is simply allowing the mother sheep to take care of the lambs with training, assistance, encouragement, and oversight. It does that. Another benefit of the care ministry is the outreach and discipleship. Our outreach and discipleship are more effective. In the care ministry, everyone's involved in outreach. Reaching out to others is the normal result of home ministry. There are people that will come to a a meal or a fellowship in somebody's house that will never darken the doors of our church without first being saved. Never. So we, we so broaden our appeal, our ability to reach out and touch people, our ability to help people, our ability to, to see them saved because we give a completely different way, doorway into the church. It's still the same gospel, still the same truth, but they don't have to come through the front door and be immediately hit in the face with the loud music, the loud preaching, and all the activity that they've never seen in a church in their life. Not everybody can handle that. Not everybody can endure that. Some people, it would be better to experience that in a limited basis in somebody's living room. And for them to get to know those people and realize these are really great people. And then when they come to church with those people and they watch those people shout and dance and run, clap their hands, raise their hands, They don't think, well, these people are crazy because they say, I know that person. That person's a solid person. That's a person I can count on. I like that guy. I like that lady. They're nice people. If they're acting like this, there really must be something to this. There are people like that that you can reach through care ministry that you'll never be able to reach in a crusade, a concert, or the best church service you've ever had. They, they can't get past their religious culture to even accept what you're doing may be scriptural or real. So care ministry bypasses all of that and lets you just simply do it in the comfort of somebody's home. No pressure, no high-pressure religion, no, no un- greatly unusual things they've never seen before. And there's a reality and a personal dimension to that that lets them cross that bridge from their religious culture to biblical biblical spiritual experience that they might not be able to do. Now, I believe there's only one gospel. And I believe when it comes to the gospel, the plan of salvation, living a separated life, believing the oneness of God, that narrow is the way, and straight is the gate that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it, but broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But Paul said, when it comes to delivering that message, he said, I'm going to be all things to all men, that by all means I might win some. There is where we apply the all, the different, Whatever. We don't change the message to fit people so they can come whatever way uh, message-wise they want to come. But we can change the methods. There are four things involved in reaching people. God, my message, me and my methods. Only two of those are eternal and unchangeable. 
Only two. Only God and my message are eternal and unchangeable. But for many people involved in religious tradition, they believe that I'm unchangeable and my methods are unchangeable. That's not biblical. I have to be constantly changing to grow because growth is a function of change. And my methods have to be adapted so that I can, and multiplied in types and variations and venues and all that so that I have as many different opportunities to reach people as possible. Because I'm called to preach the gospel to every creature. Not just me personally, but every individual is a part of the body that I'm responsible for overseeing. And everybody's part of the body that each of you ministers listen to this is responsible for overseeing. Another focus of the or benefit of the care ministry is that evangelism was taken into the community. Traditionally, the only way to win people was to get them to come to church. The care ministry takes the church to them. I've explained it this way many times. It's like we have a barn ministry. And so in order to see people saved, we issue wheelbarrows to all of our people. We tell them to go out, take their shovel, and fill their wheelbarrow up with dirt. And then we, when it comes time for church, they're to bring their wheelbarrow back, and everybody piles their dirt in a big pile in the, in, in the, in the building. The preacher gets up in the pulpit, and he, he shares seed or, or plants seed in all that pile of dirt. Then when church serves over with, everybody gets their wheelbarrow and shovels it out, and they fill up dirt back into their wheelbarrow and then take it back and dump it where they first got it. And that's the only way people are able to be saved. The scripture says the field is the world. It's not the barn floor. And the world isn't going to be reached by telling the field to come to the barn. But the people who meet in the barn are supposed to take the gospel to the field, to the world. That's God's plan. Care ministry is a significant apostolic method that helps to do that. The scripture is clear. Jesus told us to go into all the world. He never told all the world to come to the church's building. Why do we do it like that? Because it's the way we've always done it. Even if it's not working. So what do we do? We want to pray more, fast more, and preach better. And we think that'll fix it. You can't pray enough, fast enough, and preach good enough to make a non-apostolic concept work. Oh, well, we have people get saved. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can have something. You can have enough results. If you want to be satisfied with a little bit, you can have that. And there are a few people with resources and, and motivational and organizational skills good enough, they can make that thing work till they stretch that concept to the point that it, it's, it, it's just vibrating under the load of it because it just can't, it, it can't handle anymore. In flying, they call that stalling. When you've got the attitude, that's what it's called. The position of the nose in relation to the horizon is called attitude. And when you get the attitude of that plane set too high, it just starts vibrating. 
And every pilot knows that when you feel that little vibration, you better get the nose down because if you don't, that plane's going to nose over and go into a stall and very few aircraft can be pulled out of a stall. You're going to crash. You're going to die. Hopefully, you can get out of the plane with a parachute or whatever, but most commercial commercial flyers or civilian flyers don't carry uh, parachutes. So churches... Can make, they so determined to make the traditional structure work, they get the attitude of that church so high that it begins to shake because it can't fly anymore because the, 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 the wings aren't able to keep it up because of the wrong wings. And then you watch uh, somebody fly something like an F-22 or F-18 like the Blue Angels come off that runway and poke that nose straight up and pour the power to it because they have the power and the aerodynamics to fly that thing straight up. No stall in that. No stall in that one. Not in that situation. Because it's different. Care ministry allows us to make our church more flyable. It can grow at a much faster rate without becoming unstable. As long as the pastor knows his job and the people know their job and they're working together as a team, it can work. Uh, I've already mentioned this one, but I'll say it again in this context. It's in the notes at this point. Another benefit of the care ministry, it provides a more subdued approach uh, for people to have their initial uh, experience with our church especially those that might be completely turned off. They may be hungry, but their religious culture that they were raised in is so contrary to our demonstrative worship that they just cannot, they can't abide it. They can't put up with it. So this gives another opportunity. It's another opportunity. And finally, uh, it makes evangelism a group effort. Many saints have a desire to win the lost, but feel as though they are all on their own and they're not able to do it. Care ministry gets everyone involved in some way. An important point that we often overlook is Jesus didn't send the 12 out by themselves. He didn't send the 70 out by themselves. He sent them all out two by two. He knew there was strength in not being alone. He knew there was strength. There was encouragement. There was help. Book says two are better than one. Two are better than one. So when you when the care group is working together to to teach Bible studies, the care group is working together to uh, disciple new converts. When the care group is doing that, then great and wonderful things can happen, and it's far more effective, and everybody's happier. This has been a very significant lesson. What I've really tried to do in this lesson is just kind of summarize the high points of many of the lessons that I have made throughout this uh, series to just in a concise amount of way, in a short amount of time, just hit the high points of the benefits of the care ministry. I pray that you'll listen to this. Pray about it yourself. Go back and study the scriptures on this and look and see if the word doesn't show you that these benefits are really biblical, they're accurate, 
they're apostolic, and that they will do these things for your church. Thank you for listening, participating in this. I pray that it blesses you, blesses your church to have revival and harvest in Jesus' name.